Good morning and welcome to this very special episode of Roadmap to Heaven on this Good Friday, April 15th. We are almost at the end of our journey towards Easter, but as we have said multiple times on this show over the past two years, the Roadmap to Heaven passes by the foot of the cross. And today, that is what we are all about, journeying with our Lord on his passion to Calvary's hill where he will be crucified and where he will die. And we remember that Good Friday some 2,000 years ago. For today's show, we are happy to be joined by Patty Schneier, who will be reflecting with us on this theme of Good Friday. Let us begin in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We adore thee, O Christ, and we bless thee, who by thy holy cross hast redeemed the world. Thou who hast suffered death for us, O Lord, O Lord, have mercy on us. My Lord God, even now I accept at thy hands, cheerfully and willingly, with all its anxieties, pains, and sufferings, whatever kind of death it shall please thee to be mine. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Patty, this is truly a somber day, but I am happy to be reflecting upon it with you. And you have prepared for us to reflect first on the seven last words of Christ. And I'm always excited about this because I don't always remember what they are. (laughs) And, And there's so many reflections out there that are based on the music that's been written. I know many composers have taken the seven last words of Christ. So let's dive right in and go with the first word. First of all, I'm happy to be here with you and our listeners on this Good Friday morning to reflect on the seven last words of Christ. In my prayer and in my preparation for today's show, I thought, what can I possibly say? What can I say? I mean, you have so many wonderful priests on the show every morning. You've been talking about, of course, the passion, and and I do a little daily dose of encouragement, just two minutes, but I thought, what could I possibly offer as a reflection for our listeners on this Good Friday morning, for those who are at home, for those who are working today, for those who are in their car right now, And I thought, you know, there are no better words than the words of Christ himself. And so I went back and I looked up the seven last words of Christ in all of the Gospels. I read the Passion from each one. And so the first words of Christ, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. That's from Luke's Gospel. And I'm going to go through each of the seven last words of Christ and just offer some reflections on them. I also just want to overall give some ideas of how you can mark this day with the seven last words of Christ. So we're beginning now in the morning, but perhaps you could take each hour of the day and just reflect on one, and then the next hour reflect on another, and the next hour reflect on another. As you're going about your day, or if you're in silence, or if you're in prayer, if you're taking a walk and trying to build some silence and mark this day in a special way, perhaps you can meditate on these words of Christ. Maybe you can just take a half hour for each one. That would be three and a half hours, maybe from noon until 3.30 during that time when we know our Lord was suffering on the cross for us. So the first one, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. And I know we've heard this 
many, many times. We've heard this phrase, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. But I think very important for our meditation today is if we could picture, or if you have the luxury of looking at a crucifix right now. If you, wherever you are, I'm staring at this one right here in the radio studio, look at the crucifix and what do you see? What do you see? Well, I'm going to, each time with these words of Christ on this first one, I see forgiveness. That's exactly what Christ, I see forgiveness from the cross. He was able to forgive the people that tortured him and tormented him and crucified him. And I, I can only ask myself, could I forgive someone who tortured me? Could I ever really, truly be able to forgive someone who killed my child, as the Blessed Mother is at the foot of the cross? Could I forgive someone who raped me? Could I forgive someone who hit my car? Could I forgive someone who, just whatever that might happen in your life? And I honestly don't know. In the big moments of life, I don't know if I would be able to forgive someone who did something horrible to me or to my loved ones. But I do know this, I do know this, that I will never be able to forgive someone in the big things of life if I am now not in the habit of forgiving someone in the small things of life. So I look at the crucifix and I think, wow, Lord, how did you do that? How were you able to forgive those who had just beaten you so badly, who had put a crown of thorns on your head, who pierced you, who mocked you, who rejected you, who so many things that he suffered. But I know in my own life that if I'm ever going to be able to forgive someone for something big, I'm going to have to start now forgiving people in my life for small things. So I think for the first words, this forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. The first thing I think we need to ask ourselves as we stare at the crucifix today on this Good Friday is, who do I need to forgive? I think that's a, a very beautiful reflection for us as you've been saying this. I think of the Lord's Prayer, one of the most common, if not the most common prayer that we pray, and that measure of forgiveness we, we ask for in the prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So in this next hour, again, if you want to just take this uh, each hour of the day focusing on the words of Christ, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Make these words your own and just keep meditating over and over and keep saying. And, and maybe you can say, Father, forgive so-and-so, they know not what they do. Or forgive so-and-so from my childhood, they know not what they were doing. Father, forgive so-and-so from my family, they know not what they are doing. Forgive so-and-so from my parish. Forgive me. I know not what I'm doing. And then, again, we can just meditate for, my gosh, I could, I could meditate for hours on just saying, Lord, forgive me when I criticize. I know not what I'm doing. Forgive me when I complain. I know not what I'm doing. Forgive me when I'm trying to be controlling. Forgive me when I'm selfish, full of pride, vain, lazy, greedy, arrogant, narrow-minded, you name it, right? Short-tempered, rude. Forgive me, Father. I know not what I'm doing when I do all these things. And I do them over and over again. So that in and of itself could be a meditation truly today, all day long, or at least for an hour, or at least for a half hour. Just keep saying, Father, 
forgive me. I know not what I'm doing when I do X, Y, or Z. You know, the other thing that really strikes me about this as a parent is how often I find myself saying, well, son, I forgive you, or daughter, I forgive you because you realize what you did, you realize that it was wrong, you're sorry for it. And it's very easy as a parent in those moments to offer forgiveness, but the challenge of forgiving when they don't know what they do. And I'm glad you And they're bring, not sorry. Right. And they're not sorry. Forgiving someone, that's what Jesus did. He forgave them when they were oblivious to the pain that they were causing him and just kept going on and on and on and kept giving him more and more suffering and torture, right? They were not sorry. And yet from the cross, he said, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. And so, wow, we could yeah. we could ponder that for a lifetime. We could. And, and I'm glad you bring us into this, forgive me, because how often in our sin do we not realize, perhaps in the moment, the effect of the choice we're making? And, and if there's nothing else, Good Friday reminds us it was for my sin that he died on that right. cross. Today is the day to remember it's for me and everything I've done in my life. But then also, again, who do we need to forgive? So right. that's the first thing I see when I look at a crucifix is the forgiveness of Jesus, and I'm overwhelmed by that. Right. Well, that's our first hour of reflection. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And now we move on to the second word of Christ. Behold your mother. And this is from John's Gospel. This is such a beautiful, beautiful moment on the cross of Jesus when he looks at her and says, Behold your mother to to John, the beloved, and then behold your son. So, of course, we know that we want to be the beloved disciple. We want to be like John, who is standing at the foot of the cross. And just think of what a gift Jesus is giving us in the Blessed Mother. It's almost his parting gift to the world as he gives all of us his mother for her to become our mother. I remember when this line, behold your mother and behold your son, struck me like no other time in my life. Believe it or not, I was in a gift shop, a Catholic gift shop outside of Detroit, Michigan. My son was at a baseball tournament. He was only 13 years old. I was up there. I wanted to just find a Eucharistic adoration chapel. I I found a chapel. I went to the gift shop. And then I saw this tapestry. And it was this beautiful, beautiful tapestry of the Blessed Mother. And I did not have a strong devotion to the Blessed Mother at the time. And I did not have anything in my home that was Marian big, you know, a big statement of a big mirror. It was a tapestry, this huge tapestry. And I remember thinking, do I buy this tapestry? Do I put it in my home? And the words of Jesus, behold your mother. And then the words of scripture right after that are crucial. And from that hour, he took her into his home. And I remember thinking to myself, if I were standing at the foot of the cross right now, and Jesus said to me, Patty, Behold your mother. Would I do exactly what John, the beloved disciple, did from that moment? Take Mary into my home? Would I refuse and say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to have false worship. I don't want to worship Mary. I don't want to take care of Mary. I don't want anything Mary in my home. No, would I, if Jesus had literally looked at me and said, will you take my mother into your home? What would I say to Jesus at the foot of the cross? I would want to say yes. Of course I will. Of course I will honor her. Of course I will love her and try to love her as you loved her, Lord. So when I see this, when I look at a crucifix and I think of Jesus saying these words to the beloved disciple, behold your mother, I think of the generosity 
of Jesus in giving us this tremendous gift. And then if I'm going to take each hour of the day praying through these meditations of the words of Christ, just keep saying, you know, maybe it's the second hour of your day or your afternoon, behold your mother, behold your mother. And from that moment, he took her into his home. I think I just would be praying this whole hour for those who do not know the Blessed Mother. There are so many in the world that do not know her. They do not honor her. They do not love her. And then, of course, always thinking of my own sin, praying for an increase from my own devotion and love of Mary and pray that I will take Mary into my home and love her and honor her and become her devoted daughter. That's what I pray for. And then finally, I, during this hour, if you're taking each hour to pray through these words, I would pray for every mother who is watching her child suffer in any way today. And there are lots of mothers right now whose hearts are pierced by the sword like the Blessed Mother. And so my heart does go out for mothers who, who can't fix it, whether their child is sick, whether their child is in a neo-intensive care unit, whether their child has a disability, whether their child just had heartbreak, whether their child just had a blowing disappointment in their life. That mother is aching for her child, her son, or her daughter. So we can think about that today and pray for all those mothers as well. I think as you've given us this template for the day to spend each hour in reflection, what a beautiful opportunity this is on Good Friday and this hour in particular to stop and pray our rosary as well. And, you know, I, I think of the Blessed Mother's Fiat, and we always think of this on in March, you know, it'll be just a few weeks ago that we celebrated the Annunciation and the Blessed Mother saying, be it done unto me according to thy word. And back in February when we celebrated the presentation and we heard about the seven sorrows, this is the moment and that invitation we have to, to comfort the Blessed Mother and to receive her into our homes. It's not just a nicety. It's, it's a very urgent thing. And we receive from it too. You know, yes. like the Blessed Mother in that, in us trying to offer some comfort in prayer, pours out for us as well. Absolutely. And one final thought on, on this word, behold your mother and behold your son, knowing that the Blessed Mother had the strength to stand at the foot of the cross. She had the strength to stay there and just the gift of her presence. And whenever I think of loved ones who are suffering, I always just pray that I will have the grace to be present to them. And that sometimes is very hard when we don't have the right words, we don't know what to say. But can we be like the Blessed Mother and stand at the foot of our loved one's cross and be there praying for them and just loving them just by our presence? I think of, of the, our Blessed Mother and just, again, we can pray for that grace because we're going to need that someday in our life as well. Indeed. We move on now to, you know, and we, we keep saying the third word. I remember getting tripped up by these when I first heard the seven last words of Christ, thinking these were seven literal words, but... It's more seven phrases. Phrases, yes. You know, um, if, if I may say a word on the subject, that's, <laughs> that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. So the third word on the subject of Good Friday. The, the third reflection will be when Jesus said to the good thief, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And that comes from Luke's gospel. So this third reflection, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I once thought about this. Someone, um, I think, posed this question. Why Good Friday? Why 
this particular day in history, whenever it occurred on the calendar year, why that particular day, why at three o'clock, why in Jerusalem did God make this all occur then? And in the scheme of God's design, we don't know exactly every single reason why, except that one person, I, again, I did not come up with this idea. I heard this probably on Catholic radio, so that he could save the good thief. So that God's salvation, yes, is given to all of us in general on that day, but it is so particular that he was literally saving the good thief that day at that hour as well. And his words, amen, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Again, stare at a crucifix and hear Jesus say that. And and I I think and I see hope. I see hope and I feel hope from our Lord that hope for everyone who turns to Jesus, for every criminal, for every a sinner, and we're all sinners. We, we have all fallen short of the glory. So today we want to even be considered the good thief who would at least say to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and that he would turn to us and say, today you will be with me in paradise. And then one other thing that I think is really, really important to reflect on when you say these words, amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. My entire life, when I would hear this phrase, do you want to know what I would think of? I would think of the word paradise paradise. And so often I am guilty of this. I always say the goal is heaven, 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 paradise, paradise, paradise. I say it all the time. But actually what I learn from this phrase is the key is you will be with me. Paradise is not so much a place as it is being with Jesus. The goal is to be with Jesus. That in turn becomes paradise. So I had to change my focus when I hear these words, amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That is the goal for us. The goal is not so much a place, but the goal is union with Christ. And the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us on the cross is really the precursor We have our sins forgiven. Why? So that we can be in union with Christ, so that we can be one with Christ, because nothing unclean will enter heaven, right? So the whole purpose, the whole goal is not a place. It's to be with Jesus, united with Jesus, one with Jesus, and that is paradise. It makes me think of those deeply intimate moments that so many of us have been blessed to experience, whether it's with a spouse or with a child, that it wouldn't matter. I think of times holding my children when they were babies. It wouldn't matter if we were in the rocking chair in the nursery, in a lawn chair outside, you know, in a chair or a bench in a restaurant, wherever. Just the fact that I was holding them in my arms at that moment, that was the joy and paradise, not some tropical destination in the sky, but (laughs) just that moment, an ending moment with our Lord. And and the hope you speak about, Patty, too, that, you know, the, the hope the good thief gives us that if we're still alive and breathing, no matter what we've done, mm-hmm. we're not out of time. Right. You know, we have a chance to go to our Lord with a humble and contrite heart so that what? We could 
be with him. What a great thing. And again, if you're trying to make each day of this Good Friday an hour of prayer, and you're taking each hour to meditate on these phrases, the last words of Christ, if you meditate on, you know, today you will be with me in paradise, I think our prayer then goes to praying for those who will die today, praying for those who are away from the church, that they do turn back, praying for those that we've written off, you know, that we think perhaps are hopeless cases. Maybe they've hardened their hearts, maybe estranged members from our families, or we think of a hardened criminal, and recognize that their story is not finished, like you just said, as long as we have breath. So we need to pray for that conversion. We need to pray that we would have the grace in our own lives to say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and that anyone else in our life would also be able to pray those words and pray for our own moment of death, that we will be with Jesus. And then death just becomes a continuation. It becomes the doorway to eternal union with Christ. But we experience glimpses of that here on earth. And I love this phrase, today you will be with me in paradise. Let that soak in, stare at a crucifix, and pray. Let that, then let your own prayer just take over. And now we go from that to almost the complete opposite. You know, we're talking about the hope of being with Jesus, but as we move into the fourth word, it's a very different, very different sentiment. And it's powerful, and it's powerful. And this one, again, I've had to pray through this and, and think about this one a lot. The next phrase, the fourth phrase or words from Jesus from the cross come from Psalm 22 when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And these words are found both in Matthew and Mark's gospel. And again, my first thing I want to encourage everybody is stare at a crucifix and hear Jesus say that. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So powerful, so moving. And the first thing I think of is the humanity of Christ because he is both human and divine. And to me, this is the cry of the human heart in suffering and pain. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And yet, when we read Psalm 22, and we're going to do that uh, for this little meditation here, we actually see that what Jesus is, is he's the fulfillment of the psalm. He's the fulfillment And the scribes and Pharisees that hear him say, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They know what psalm this is, and they know that it's being fulfilled right then and there. And he is the Messiah because he's the fulfillment of all of the prophecies. He truly is. So Psalm 22, if you don't know the whole thing, and we many people sing this, you know, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? I mean, I hear that melody ringing in my head, but Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why so far from my call for help, from my cries of anguish? My God, I call by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I have no relief. But I am a worm, hardly human, scorned by everyone, despised by the people, All who see me mock me. They curl their lips and jeer. They shake their heads at me. You relied on the Lord. Let him deliver you if he loves you. Let him rescue you. As dry as a post herd, 
My heart is my throat. My tongue sticks to my palate. You lay me in the dust of death. Many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in on me. So wasted are my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. But here comes the hope. But you, Lord, do not stay far off. My strength, come quickly to help me. All the ends of the earth will worship and turn to the Lord. All families of nations will bow low before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, the ruler over the nations. All who sleep in the earth will bow low before God. All who have gone down into the dust will kneel in homage. And so, I mean, he's prophesying, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to rescue those who have gone before me. And I will live for the Lord. My descendants will serve you. The generation to come will be told of the Lord. That's us. That they may proclaim to a people yet unborn. That's us. The deliverance you have brought. So this ends in great hope. It's the Messiah's victory of Yes, he's going to descend to the dead. He's going to bring up those and rescue those who have gone before him and that he will descend to the lowest of the lowest to rescue all of us. So his agony actually is our hope that we are never abandoned by God, that Jesus has descended into all agony for us so that when we experience agony, he's gone before us. He is with us. He's in our suffering too. So I love this. It's, it's a powerful, powerful psalm on which to meditate. But I think today of all days, we can turn this into our prayer, praying for those who do feel abandoned, who do feel rejected, alone, or betrayed, praying for those who are in pain today, who can count all of their bones. They feel it in their bones. Praying for those who wonder and doubt if God really cares but again, if you just stare at the crucifix, you realize, does he care? He was willing to go through all of that so that our suffering wouldn't have the last word, right? So that he could crush death and pray for those who do not know you, Lord, that you are God, that you are the Messiah, that you are the fulfillment of all of the prophecies in the Old Testament. So there's a lot to ponder with, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But remember that it does end in hope. And we are never abandoned by God. He is with us. It makes me think of all of the crosses that we bear, that there are those that no matter how good our friendships are, how close we are with our loved ones, with our family members, there will come a time where we will say, God, they don't understand what I'm going through. No one understands what I'm going through. I am alone in this. And yet, as you've reminded us, he's right there with us in, in the depths of our abandonment. Our Lord is standing there with us and the hope that comes with that. Patty, I think this would be a good time to take just a, a very quick break before we come back and continue our reflection on the last words, the seven last words of Christ. We are back, and on this Good Friday edition of Roadmap to Heaven, we continue our annual tradition of reflecting on the meaning of the Passion from a different perspective every year. This is our third year together. We're happy to be joined by Patty Schneier, who is sharing with us on the seven last words of Christ. And so we have had the first four words. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Behold your mother. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And Patty, as we resume now with the fifth 
word, the fifth phrase of our Lord as he is on the cross. Uh, we know we're getting closer to the end just by the, the tenor of these words. Yes, the next phrase from Jesus comes from Luke's gospel. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And this, when I think about this, again, I stare at a crucifix, I look at that, and I hear Jesus say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. What do you think of when you hear that? When I hear that, I think of total surrender and trust. And what I am reminded of from these words of our Lord, which is so beautiful, is that he is still in relationship with his Father. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He, he is still so connected, so, so united with his heavenly Father. He still trusts the Father, even in his torture, even in his pain, even in his suffering, even when what seems to be total failure, what seems to be utter destruction, and what seems to be hopeless. He's saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So Jesus gives the Father everything because he knows that the Father is still love, he is still God, and he is still worthy of trust. So as I'm encouraging everyone to spend an hour with each of these phrases in prayer today, Say over and over and over again. Just keep letting these words ring through your head and your brain and, and then through your heart and on your lips. Maybe you're whispering them. Maybe you're just thinking about them. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And maybe just spend this time or this hour meditating on the goodness of the Father and imitate Jesus in turning everything over to the Father today. So maybe your prayer can be, Father, into your hands, I commend my life. Father, into your hands, I commend my future. Father, into your hands, I commend the moment of my death. Father, into your hands, I commend my children. Father, into your hands, I commend my dreams, my expectations, my desires. Father, into your hands, I commend, depending on your state in life, you know, my future job, my future spouse, whatever it is for you. What do you need to turn over to the Lord, to the Father, and imitate Jesus in his words today? And, and know that God is God. He is always love. He is always worthy of our trust and surrender. And Jesus shows us that from the cross. It's a very big question of trust. How much do we trust the Father that if this were to be our last day, all of the good things we are involved in, all the good works we are doing, the relationships we have, do we trust the Father to take care of those things if we were to be called to our death today? So we move on now to the penultimate word of Christ on the cross. The next phrase from Jesus comes from John's Gospel, I thirst. Two simple words, I thirst. Stare at a crucifix, ponder this. Again, this could be a for a full hour, just I thirst, I thirst, I thirst. What do you think of? What, do you, what stirs in your heart? Whenever I hear this phrase from our Lord from the cross, I think of 
the missionaries of charity. I remember once I was in Los Angeles speaking, and I had the privilege of going inside the convent of the missionaries of charity in Los Angeles. And it was so simple. But from what I understand, in all of the convent chapels for the missionary missionaries of charity, there will be a simple crucifix, and on the wall will be the words, I thirst. That's from Mother Teresa's, from her original convent to all the convents in the world. That's what's in the convents of the missionaries of charity. This That simple crucifix and these words, I thirst. And of course, we know that our Lord is thirsting for us. He's thirsting for every single soul. He has this desire for souls. It's his passion is for souls. The good thief, the bad thief, and everyone on the planet, everyone that was there and everyone that was to come, he's thirsting. So we have this recognition. We have to remember that Jesus is thirsting for me, for you right now, more than life itself. And he's willing to die for my soul. But the question then becomes, do I really thirst for him in return? So my prayer when I meditate on these words, when Jesus says, I thirst, I want that to become me, that I will thirst. Can I say those words? Jesus, I thirst for you. I pray that I may thirst for you, Jesus, more than anything else in the world. Maybe that's what we can be, that can be our meditation for this hour. Let me thirst for you more than water. Let me desire you more than food. Let me thirst for you more than things, more than success, more than comfort, more than human respect. Grant me the grace to desire you, Jesus, to thirst for you as you were thirsting for me. And then we need to pray for all the souls are in your life and in my life that we desire to know, love, and serve the Lord. You know, we have our own. We, I'm thirsting for people in my life to come back to Jesus. And so we want to pray for them. So maybe during this reflection, we just say, Jesus, I bring you so-and-so. I know that you are thirsting for him even more than I am. So let us thirst together for this soul. We all want to be those that are thirsting for souls, praying for souls, and recognizing how much Jesus was thirsting for us on that cross. As you say that, I'm making a list right now of the people that I'm praying for. And this is, you know, you bring up a great point because this is something, especially over the past year, I've thought more and more about in terms of what does it mean to evangelize. And the people in my life, I know that they might have some hurt, or they might have some desire or some longing, and they don't even know that that void that they're looking to fill or to address, that what they're really thirsting for is our Lord. And am I as zealous about praying for them and, and about working for their conversion as Jesus is on the cross? Mm, exactly. There's so much. Again, the, uh, each of these phrases from Jesus on the cross, we could ponder them a lifetime. And, I, and that's why I think it's so beautiful that we have this Good Friday, however many hours of the day we have today, to just take one of these phrases and, and turn that into our prayer. So the last one, we're at the last one right now, very simple. It is finished. And then Scripture says, in bowing his head, he handed over the Spirit. This comes from John's Gospel. It 
is finished. And I want to share with our our listeners, many may not know, that the Latin translation of this is consummatum est, consummatum est. It is consummated. Now, when I hear that, I, I can't help but think of, of a marriage, the consummation of a marriage, right? Well, it reminds us of the nuptial meaning of the body, the total gift of, of his body for his bride, the church. You know, Jesus spoke the words of covenant love at the Last Supper. This is my body given for you. But then he consummates that covenant. He consummates his love and fulfills those words in the flesh on the cross. So it's his total gift. It's sacrificial love. So we can't ever forget that. But we can't forget, too, that that Jesus is a lover. He is a lover. He came to rescue his bride from the pit of hell. He's passionate. He's willing to lay down his life for his bride. That's us. So every last drop of blood, Jesus is pouring out for love of her, for the church. And so maybe we just need to remember the great mystery, which is the marriage of Christ and his church. And maybe spend this hour just contemplating how much Jesus loves you and maybe keep saying, Jesus, thank you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Because that's what he's doing. He is truly pouring out his love for us. That's what I, when I stare at a cross and I think of consummatum est, it is finished. It's love. It's love. It's love. It's love. And then the second thing I did not know, um, I learned this from my son, from my son, the priest, who said, Mom, consummatum est also refers to the words that the high priest would say when he offered sacrifice in the temple from the Old Testament. So everybody would hear that and they would know, again, the offering is consumed. It is finished. The priest would say it is offered. So, of course, Jesus is both priest and victim here on the cross. He is the unblemished lamb being slain for the sins of all, but and he is also the high priest offering the sacrifice for all mankind. So beautiful, so much to ponder here. Um, But when he says, it is finished, I can't help, as I'm staring at this crucifix right now, I can't help but think, and it brings me to tears, of his obedience. Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's from Philippians. He humbled himself and became obedient to the very end. Obedience. Mission accomplished through obedience. And then, of course, I have to ask myself, could I remain obedient to the point of death? And this is where I pray. I turns into my prayer, my prayer for myself that I would be obedient to the church I pray for obedience to the will of God. I pray for obedience to my vocation, to my vows. I pray for obedience this very hour that I may fulfill the mission that God has given me in my life and to persevere in obedience to my very last breath. That's what I think of when I think of it is finished. Wow. Obedience to the very end. Could I do that? Um, I don't know, but I pray that the grace would be given to me at that moment. And again, how do we do that? 
Only in the big moments can we do it if we've been practicing through the small moments of our daily life. Obedience, obedience, obedience. It's so beautiful. So lots to ponder here. Again, consumatum est. This is love poured out, consummating his covenant with us on the cross. It is the high priest and victim here on the cross. The sacrifice has been offered. And it is the final obedience of Christ um, in obedience to the Father's will. As you talk about this, four words come to mind that we've talked about before in the context of the theology of the body. But what is that consummate love, that spousal love? It is free, it is total, it is faithful, and it is fruitful. And so in this freely given obedience of our Lord on the cross, of his entire self, I mean, what what more can you give than your very life? Right. There is a great fruit that is born and hearing all of these things, it would be easy, as my children have said, to say, well, why do we call it Good Friday? It's, it's a very sad day. And that's true. It is a very sad day. But that last part, fruitful, that all of this is fruitful in ways we could never have imagined in the story of our salvation, of our redemption. And thus, it is a good, good Friday. Well, Patty, you certainly have given us a lot to ponder as we go throughout our Good Friday today, and I love this this idea of taking an hour for each of these seven last words and spending, or even if not an hour, a half hour, but spending time reflecting on this today. You know, those, those words of our Lord, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Behold your mother. Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. My God, why have you abandoned me? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I thirst, and it is finished. Just spending time with each of those today. And perhaps, friends, if you're able, um, reflect at home, but maybe also go up to church early if church is open. Sit in the empty church. It's been one of the most prayerful things for me on Good Friday in years past, with the altars stripped and, and things are quiet, to spend some of your time reflecting on these. Um, it's, it's been a wonderful way to start our day and I, I don't know what more we could add to this as we close here. Well, I guess what I would just offer as final words on this Good Friday is when you take the seven words, the final seven words of Christ, let your heart sit with them. And these were just my reflections from my own prayer of I took them, you know, to prepare for today's show. I took them earlier to Eucharistic Adoration and sat with our Lord and, and thought, what am I going to say about this? But or just stare at a crucifix. You don't there sometimes there doesn't need to be words. Sometimes it's just the awe and wonder. There are no words. Love just comes from silence and from being with our Lord. But a visual image of staring at a crucifix today and then hearing these words of our Lord from the cross. Know that they're meant for us, for each one of us today, now, here. And then just let your heart and mind soar and 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 bring to our Lord what's going on as you in your heart as you hear those words. Obviously, there can be a million other things that might come to your heart when you hear these words. So... I just offered those as things to pray about that might get you started in your prayer, but then don't be afraid to go deeper and to give the Lord what's on your heart when you hear these words. Well, once again, Patty Schneier, I want to thank you for reflecting with us today as we begin Good Friday together, and really throughout the season of Lent, through the Daily Dose of Encouragement, 
and all the time we've been able to spend together. Friends, as we wrap up this hour, I'd like to remind you that we will have programming to help you in prayer and reflection throughout the day today. I look forward to our next time together here on the radio when we will celebrate the joy of the resurrection, the reminder that death on Good Friday does not have the final word, that there will be joy to celebrate. So on behalf of all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright wishing you a blessed Good Friday, a happy Easter, a blessed Easter, a joyous Easter. Until next time, pray your rosary.